Hi, I'm Kenny Drucker, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. My name's Lee Gillis. And I'm Michael McCall. And we want to, to thank the Phoenix and Glenorthis um, for a, a, an amazing donation, which we'll be putting straight towards the clubs to go towards the GPS vests. So just a little bit of a blurb. The Phoenix, Glenorthis and Lawrence Welsh are proud to support East Fife in these difficult times and would encourage all East Fife fans to help at the club if they can. At the Phoenix, we offer a warm and friendly atmosphere to anyone who comes to visit us. We offer a generous 35 mil measure of all premium brands and have a fantastic range of draft beers and ciders, including Magnus Original and the best pint of Guinness in town. Once lockdown's over, head along to their Domino's Night on a Tuesday, their pub quiz on a Sunday, or for your next special occasion, why not book their function suite for just £149, which includes a DJ. They also have an amazing jukebox with over 30,000 songs in it. Um, so if you're in the mood for music, you'll find what you want. So thanks to, to the, the Phoenix and Lawrence Welsh once again. So we're, we're back to it, Michael. Another spate of lockdown um, podcast coming up with, with no East Fife games to talk about. But we do have some some stuff lined up and, and hopefully we'll be able to bring you back some, some interviews with some former players, which we're working on. But this week we've got an interview with Darren Young and Tony McMinn, who very kindly agreed to come on the, the show at some, some fairly short notice. And we've done a bit of a, a season review so far. We, we did some of the usual sort of fun segments with them. Don't worry, we're not talking biscuits this time. Um, but we do have something which will hopefully make you laugh towards the end of it. But, yeah, we've, we've got some, some other things to talk about in East Fife. First of all, Michael, season on hold. Yeah, we talked about it on last week's show. And it, it wasn't a big surprise. And I, I think... The fact that it was the Scottish Cup last week maybe highlighted some of the dangers for, for the lower league teams travelling about because you've got teams travelling vast distances. When you've got these non-league teams in as well, these guys are, are just working, especially like Highland League teams and Lowland League East of Scotland teams. I don't think it's a surprise. I think it's the right decision. I think it's come at a good time anyway because the weather is crappy, so there's going to be a spate of postponements anyway. So this is an ideal time to to have a, a winter break if you want. They're calling it a fire break, but it's basically a winter break. Only though for League One and below. So East Fife's division and below is the one that's going on hold. Championship is continuing, but they now have to test. And I think... I think that's the right decision and they've got that half a million pounds that they were given so they can't say plead poverty if they want to continue right now they do need to do testing Lee yeah but 
I, I kind of feel for teams in our league and particularly Partick Thistle and, yeah. and, and Falkirk in this instance because they could probably afford to test. I, I feel that the club should have been given the opportunity as to whether they wanted it to continue or not and just say, look, you've got that money there. If you want to use it, now's when you have to use it. And actually like, give like it, put it to put it to a vote? Yeah, mm. that, that to me makes more sense. Because if the, the players right now, I'd imagine the majority of them are furloughed unless they're in the construction industry or whatever. If they said to the players, look, we're going to get the opportunity here that you could still play. The club, right, okay, you, you can still play if you want. You've got that money there to do testing. You guys have just got to sort the logistics of it. Do you want to do it or not? And put that decision out to the clubs rather than just the usual Scottish football approaches, do what you're say, do what we say and do it when we tell you to do it. And it's just... It's, I don't know. It just it just highlights poor poor decision making from from the the heads of Scottish football once more. I've, yeah, I so I've followed it as I'm sure everyone has really closely over the last couple of weeks. Things were pointing to to this happening, and I think it does make sense if you can't get testing. But yeah, if if the clubs feel that they've got this money from the government, they got the the 50,000 from the guy whose name's totally escaped me just now earlier on this season. So, I mean, it, it was for stuff like this. It was for testing. My worry is we're officially into a three-week fire break, but we've seen before that that three weeks can turn into three months. Then it turns into a suspension of the season. We're only a third of the way through. I asked a couple of shows ago, did I miss them deciding what was going to happen if they had to suspend the season. And from what I've read this week, no, nothing was ever actually agreed because they couldn't come to an agreement on it. That is something that has to have got done. You've got Neil Doncaster talking about all the options are on the table, including like declaring the season null and void. And as much as I dislike Rangers, you, you can't say to a team like Rangers that's that amount clear, no, your season's null and void. But equally, if, if they just said, right, we'll end the season now, it'd then be a tainted title. Um, yeah, but then you also have the other end of the table where yeah. it's not straightforward and not any one of those teams could go down. The, the top tier has to continue. They've got the, the revenue streams in place that they could afford to do testing. And as long as they're doing testing, then let them have at it. That's, you know, they've got squad depth and stuff that, that I don't think that any games at that level should be called off. It should just be you've got to play with what you've got and the season just has to continue. Well, and, we, we saw that on, on Monday with Celtic. We were talking about the Celtic situation, how farcical it was. We are all very angry about it. Then a player comes down, test positive, coming back from Dubai, where they, they were having over 5,000 daily cases in Dubai. And it's like, how was that even allowed and not on the, the quarantine list to begin with, which it clearly is now? But then Celtic have 13 players that have to self-isolate. Then they have to play a game that basically ended the, their title challenge, I, I feel, with that stoppage time goal. And I've got to admit, it was funny seeing Hibs equalise. They almost got a second as well. Like if they'd got two goals in stoppage time, the outrage of the Celtic fans just... Oh, can't imagine what that would have been like. But I, I do feel that if a club has a certain number of players come down with it, there should be something that gets the games called off. 
we talked about the farce in the the FA Cup where Derby had to play under twenty three players and then they lost to Chorley, which was a great cup upset, great to watch. It kind of devalues the competition. Wraith Rovers they requested a, a postponement of their match this weekend with Inverness, Cali and. I was going to call them Inverness. That's all they're going really way back. But Inverness, Cali. That, when I when I wrote the rundown for this, it was 9am UK time. Then I went to bed, woke up, and Wraith had won their appeal. The game has been called off. I do think that is the right decision. But why is that game called off and the Celtic game's not called off? Yeah, the, 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 but as usual, there, there's no rhyme or reason to anything that we do. In, in Scottish football, there's none, absolutely none. But I mean, you know, the, the race situation with um, finding out that obviously their players had COVID, had there not been tests, would they have known? Yeah, that was the big thing I was thinking about because it's like if they hadn't tested this week, those guys they might all be asymptomatic, so nobody knows yeah. they've got COVID. Then they're traveling. I, I think it was a game in Inverness, I'm not 100% sure, but. So say they were travelling to Inverness, an area that doesn't have a lot of things just now, then you're bringing that into them. How many other clubs have had players that have been positive that we don't know about because we haven't been doing testing? Let's be honest, I would say that you could probably hedge your bets that every club's had somebody that's... Yes, we we both could have had it for all we know and we could have both been asymptomatic. It's just one of those things. If if you're not showing symptoms and you're not getting tested, you're never going to know if you've had it or not. It's a bit like chlamydia. Yeah, that's got more signs. I, I've heard, I've heard. <laughs> but I mean, look, let's be honest, the only reason that Wraith have got COVID is because they didn't wash their hands. Um, I so. thought it was interesting. It, it was after Kelty played a game at Starks Park. Ah, now it all <laughs> makes sense. The world makes sense again, Michael. <laughs> but look, that's the, the part one over. We're delighted to be bringing to you our feature interview today with Darren Young and Tony McMinn and our Third, well, one third of our season review? Let's find out. Thanks so so much for, for joining us to, today, guys. Obviously, things are very much up in the air right now as to, to what's happening with the, the season. I guess first thing to to ask you when when did you find out the the season was going to go on hold? It was just a couple of days ago, and um, when was it? After was it the Monday, Tony? It was Monday, aye. Uh, Monday, so yeah. it was. Um, we didn't really have a clue. I didn't actually see it coming, to be honest. And then I'd I'd left my phone for about five minutes, and I'd like four missed calls for the press guys for the chairman uh, asking. Um, obviously asking the question what do you think of the season <laughs> what's happened and then obviously from there we get told we're finished till the end of January uh, a wee bit of a nightmare because of kind of how well we're doing and yeah. we're just kind of starting to take off uh, and again we're looking to go on a good wee run but at the end of the day it was as we spoke about it's about the health and safety of everybody so as much as we are desperate to be playing and stuff like that, then you've got to kind of take into consideration that everybody's in the same boat and it's better to be kind of safe and healthy and uh, rather than taking chances. We were, we were talking about it on the, the show last week. I kind of thought it was going to be coming. That was the general consensus of us. We felt something 
was going to happen, whether it was throughout Scottish football or just in the lower reaches. I, I guess it kind of boils down to the, the testing aspect of it because you guys obviously can't get tested. It's going to be too expensive to to get those those tests done. I mean, do you think it was the right decision at your level or do you think it should have been maybe across the whole of Scottish football? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the testing thing, we've all, every club's got £50,000 to go towards testing. So I think it would be, you could actually test, but it would be very, very hard, obviously, with the part-time side of things because it would be easier now because I've got a lot of people who are not allowed to work. But at the time of the part-time players we are working, trying to find a day or a time to get everybody in or get them done, I think that would have been a big problem in itself. I know that the, the only way that the part-time championship teams are continuing now is because they're going to have to start testing. Uh, Alwa have got, a, I think Tony says Mike Mulvaney's got one of the, the testing things at the stadium or, or in and around Alwa, so um, it was kind of easy enough for them to kind of do that. But I think as us ourselves, we would have to be sending boys to whether it's Glasgow or Edinburgh, mm. and then I don't know. Because I think talking to the chairman at the start of the season, the like the SFA or the SPFL or whatever, were just kind of brushing their hands off it. They were just kind of like, yeah, when you go, yeah, yeah, you need to test possibly and just can deal with it yourself rather than saying there's a testing centre here, there's a testing centre there. And the way it was kind of coming across was, no, if you're going to get tested, you need to go and get it done and then just give us the results. But I mean, I don't know if that's changed now, but that was the way it was kind of, kind of looking. But um no, I mean, that is what it is, so I just got to kind of go on with it and deal with it. But there is money there, so clubs, for me, can't have an excuse of saying that it's going to be too expensive because the money's there from the 50,000 investment. And then, obviously, the last week there, we got uh, 150,000 and the teams in the Championship got half a million. So uh, there's more than enough money there being given in grants to kind of fund this or take this into place. That's the worrying about the, the club as well. Like That money is still there. You know, there was obviously community caveats and that, and I think a few clubs found a way around um, directing that back into the, you know, their budget or whatever. But you know, we we've not done that. Um, you know, it, it was always there in case we had to test and, and to test for the the chance to play. The, the Scottish Cup's obviously very different to to league play because you've got a lot of the non-league teams in it. But you had some crazy situations like Stranraer having to, to come through to Fife to, to play Kelty. You had Ayr. I can't remember where they were meant to be going. It was somewhere up north and then that game got called off. So, I mean, you're, you're travelling distances and stuff. And I know it's a fast-changing situation. I was just catching up with Off the Ball this morning when I was driving around just to, to hear what they had said last Saturday about it and things have changed so much since then. But, I mean... Just gut feeling, do you think it's going to start again in the three weeks or do you see this maybe being a little bit longer? Um, I think I think hopeful it will be three weeks, but we said that the first time round, <laughs> that was six months. So yeah. um, whether it is or not, I don't, I don't know what difference three weeks is going to make, um, to be honest. Um so it's it's just kind of hoping maybe we'll be put stuff into play for the for the boys anyway in regards to well they, they kind of know first time round fitness wise so the way we're kind of looking at it now it's, it's kind of six training sessions and, and three games are kind of missing out and so they will know themselves from like an end of season program that we would give them so they would kind of have this um, to to kind of look at and go over um, and most of them are, are quite reliable and sensible enough to kind of look to try and keep their fitness up because I think if it was to start back in 
the start of February, then you're probably looking at training Tuesday, training Thursday, and then the game on the Saturday. And if you've got three weeks off, I mean, that should be kind of more than enough. Yeah, ideally, you would like another week to train, but I think just with the way the season is, and although we've only got three quarters, uh, well, three, <laughs> I thought of it, sorry, three quarters a season to play, and you're still going to be. Um, you're still going to have a lot of games so you might end up Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for a, for a wee while to the end of the season and to be fair a lot of boys prefer that rather than, than training so yeah. that, that might be the case for, for now going forward I, I know here last year in MLS the season was disrupted so much that they ended up having basically three pre-seasons because the, the season was split up into three phases which isn't ideal because I guess guys do want to just get back playing and it's come uh, as you said, a, a, a bad time because we were just kind of hitting our stride. We'd had three wins on the bounce, including a, a good win over Falkirk, a good win in the cup there. Sitting mid-table after nine games, so officially a third of the, the way through the season if things finish the, the way that it's meant to be. I mean, looking at the table, eight points off top, six off second, two games in hand. It's looking It's looking good. If you're looking back at this, if you split the table or the season into, into thirds, how would you look back then on this first first third? I think um, we've always tried to achieve 13, 14 points. Uh, we spoke about that at the start of the season and every season we've kind of been there. So we always kind of split it in sort of quarters, obviously, this, this season it's studs. So we got the 13 points and... And obviously from that, you've still got the other, well, you've still got two games to catch up on. If you win your two games, you could be sitting second, two points off the top. Um, so no, we had, a, we had a, a bit of a slow start, but it was it was a hard start, to be honest. You're, you're away to Cove, you're down to nine men, you're away to Wraith, eh, sorry, Wraith, you're away to Falkirk, you're away to Partick. So it's no easy games in the first kind of four or five games. So it's, it's hard, there probably wasn't too much wrong. Even going back to the League Cup, the League Cup section, Although, albeit we only won the game against Cowden Beef, the other three games, from us analysing the game and getting back over it, we were probably the better team for the majority of those matches. Um, we should have probably beat Hearts, taking away the first 90 seconds, which if you'd if you turned up late or you had a dodgy stream, then you'd have missed <laughs> going down 2-0. But taking away that minute and a half, the, the, the rest of the game was probably one of our best performances of the season. Uh, we, we played brilliant, and then again, we had enough chances to kind of beat Hearts. We were, we were actually... I think it showed you how far we've came from when we've come in that we're playing hearts and they're actually going away disappointed that we've not actually beat them at home. Um, same with Inverness, we played Inverness away, we felt we were the better team, we felt we had the better chances, and then we lose a, a, a poor goal, a set piece, then we lose, uh, we miss a penalty as well. So if we felt we should have at least got a draw, worst case scenario against them. And then the other game against Rafe, again, we were probably the better team, created more chances. Uh, we had a couple of chances up the other end and then with two minutes to go or whatever it was we then lose another poor goal somebody makes a mistake and you get punished for it but that's against like, three full-time teams so we knew we weren't far away although there were defeats in the end up it's you're comparing or analysing the, the games and how they went we knew we weren't far away from, from how we were kind of performing the season before then as the league games have gone um, I think we, we kind of we had to well, we had to kind of chop and change through injuries we had to chop and change through suspense uh, suspensions at the start of the season as well so we were in a position where having to chop and change every week isn't ideal and once we're now getting a settled team we're only going to be changing one or two guys if we need to uh, the last maybe five, six weeks now 
Then we've kind of kept it at the same team. We've kept this kind of same shape. We slightly changed our shape, but it seems to have worked for us. Um, and everyone's kind of buying into it. So that the performances have got stronger as as the we've had more players available, and we've not, we've not had to kind of chop and change. The only guys we've kind of chopped and changed is, is maybe been through forum or guys who haven't been playing as, as good as they, they they can or as good as they have in, in years gone by. I think it was also just just finding our way in a way of getting the best at the players um, given the limited time we had to, to prepare for the season as well um, you know you then get Jack in he's a different type of player to Anton how do you get the best out of him we'll, we found that way and um, yeah so it was just a way of finding you know, finding a, a, maybe a different way of playing with a different type of a focal point up front and once we found that then we've been we've been fine Um very comfortable in games at times. You know, probably the better team in a lot of the games, apart from Fissile away, that was a bit of a, bit of a disappointment. But, um, you know, out of the, the nine league games, when you look at the fact that in a quarter, you've had to play Falkirk twice and you've been away to to um, Fissile, Falkirk and Cove. So, you've done, you've done all right. So, we'll go a bit on our, our home form then. So, I mean, I'm beating in five home league games and only two points dropped. So, what do you put that down to? Is it the travel, the pitch, or is it just the confidence at Bayview? Uh, I, I, don't, I, really, I really say there's anything in particular, to be honest. It was just the kind of the, the, way, the way games have gone. Um, uh, I think the, the game when we played, was it the... Obviously, the first game you're down to 11 v 11, you're fine. We cove away more than comfortable, and then we lose the two men, which obviously kills us. The, we had a midweek game, and then we played Partick Thistle. Uh, after that, whether that can affect us, is we had a bit of a slow start, albeit um, we should have had a snowball penalty with Kev. Uh, we do go in at half time 1 0 down, but we're only 1 0 down to a, a penalty that Pat slid and, and fell. Basically, the guys fell over Pat after Pat slid in the turf, so it wasn't a tackle by Pat. The guys fell over Pat, falling over. Um, at the same time, Pat then has a chance six yards out at the start of the second half to get us back in the game. So there's there's three tiny fine margins that, that kind of it, it, it makes a difference. The reason why we're doing so well at home, <laughs> I'm not so sure. Um, that they're comfortable, they know the pitch, they know the the place. Um, maybe it's the big crowd. <laughs> so, uh, so I say, Lee's not there shouting us. Oh, it's absolutely. So, but no, I don't, I don't think there's one particular thing. I don't know, but for me, it's just, it's just that you kind of we're just kind of going on a wee roll and we've done kind of really well. But um, it kind of is what it is. The flip side of that, you've, you've kind of touched on it there. Darren's the away form, so no one's away from home. But obviously, we've had some some pretty tough trips. Do you think that there's any chance that that could then become psychological that you've you've got that sort of monkey on your back? Or is it a case of you, you know the, the group that you've got and they'll be more itching to get that monkey off their back? It could go either way. It's not a worry at all. Um, definitely, it's not a worry that we've went away last year to Dundee United and places like that and won games. So certainly, that's don't even think that enters the players' the players' minds. I think there is now, you know, a, a real belief though that you can turn Bayview in a fortress, particularly after the. You know the Falkirk game. I think there, there is that real, real belief, um, but it, it is near an adverse effect the other way. Yeah, good. Um, I definitely think touching on the the Falkirk game, I thought it was our best game of the season so far. And 
just resolute in terms of performance all across the park. So what, as coaches then, has been the thing that's concerned you the most about performances this season? One of the things attacking-wise, we're creating a lot of chances and we're still, we still feel that we could be taking more of the chances or hitting the target more. So Tony's got a few things he does with the boys and it's just been a, with analysing and where the shots have came from and he's pointed out to a few players and it's kind of helped him improve their decision-making when it comes to the final third. Um, I don't think there's one thing in particular. We slightly changed the, the corner side of things. Tony looked into the, the corners. We went a bit, a bit zonal and, and a, some of it zonal, some of it marking. And again, that's worked, although it's taken a couple of corners for us to kind of have a few flaws. And as Tony touched on earlier, we didn't really have a, a big pre-season to, to kind of work on it. And we've had to kind of learn as we go, I should be saying. The players have had to kind of learn as they go, so we'll obviously touch on it in training. But then after that, um, they have to kind of go and do it in the park and there's certain times when we've been exposed so because of that um, we then have to sit down and talk about it and then kind of explain better what we, what we want but it, it's kind of worked really well um, and I think uh, probably one of the positives we'll say we have we have created loads of chances that's again it's probably something that we've, we've become accustomed to since we've been here we've, we've created loads um, and again I think we've kind of stopped ourselves kind of getting countered we've not lost that many goals from kind of open play uh, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing um, and Again, we felt at times we were maybe getting countered, but having that kind of extra guy in the middle of the park, we feel we've kind of stopped that. We've been able to get higher up the park. We've been able to press. Um, again, coming from the defence, getting pushed up, coming for the goalie, speaking and trying to keep us as high a line as possible. So I think everything's kind of added in. Yep, so you, you pretty much answered part of my next question. So if we look at the the thing that's concerned us, what is the thing that you're most proud of or the most happy with looking at the, the first part of the season? We'll go to you for this one, Tony. Just the points total. Just making sure that you're, you know, particularly the games we've had that, and a, a wee bit of a tough start, that we've come through that. Um, we've changed this formation slightly as, as the gaffer touched on. We've changed kind of what we do before games and in terms of how we give the information and what information we're given and it, it seems to be working for us and it's just a case of keeping on top of that. I think this year should have been a year where we were really building on on what we were doing um, and we very quickly realised that it's something that we actually had to consolidate where we were and what we were doing um, and I don't mean league positions by that, you know, we want to be in the playoffs, we want to, to be pushing to go up but I just mean in terms of how we play, what we do, what our team's characteristics are. See, it's that sort of analysis, Tony, that I could understand now why you were ahead of Darren for the, the, the Motherwell job. <laughs> Did you not see that one? I thought I'd put that in the book. <laughs> so basically, it's uh, for who was next up for the Motherwell job. And for, uh, for some reason, Tony was in amongst the mix. And then the next time that I checked that Tony was actually a, a, a higher up in the favourites than Dan. Somebody must have been that man. Tony showed us, he let us know anyway. I was, at one point I was 20 to one and Tony was 25, so he must have had a couple of quid on it. Wow. <laughs> I had to, Tony stuck a pony on that, like definitely. Just... <laughs> there was Motherwell fans making banners to get me in, I heard. <laughs> I think there was Hamilton fans making banners to get you in, I think that's more... <laughs> <laughs> Looking then 
at where we are just now. On, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being like very happy, where do you feel the team is right now and where you're wanting them to be and what you're expecting them to be playing like? I think oh, the, the last the last wee bit the other now is in regards to how they're playing. I think we've something like four or five wins at the last six. So in regards to that, then then yeah, they're kind of doing very very well. They're kind of firing all cylinders. Uh, we're not always, always that want to try and kind of get more clean sheets. Can we take more of our chances? Um, that's that wee bit you're always striving for for extra. But I think if we had, if we'd had the two games and played the two games in hand, and then you're kind of sitting saying, oh well, we might be sitting here saying we're second or third or fourth. Then you can see it's a very, very good start. The fact that we've got 13 points after the first third anyway, we're, we're more than happy with that. Um, the, the League Cup section, as I said, again, the performances were good, although we never got the, probably the points or the results that we deserved. So we're kind of more than happy with the overall show and the overall performance. It was good to kind to get the boys as much game time as possible because we only had a few, a few friendly games, which wasn't ideal in pre-season. But I think right now we're kind of more than happy, obviously. Big Jack's going back to Livingston, so again that then gives opportunities for other players uh, to come in. Ryan comes back in on Saturday after being out, and then does does tremendous, and we, and we win five one. So there's a good sort of bit of strength and depth there. What about yourself, Tony? On a one to ten scale, where would you kind of have your your happiness right now? I think you always, you know, if you're doing well, you're always sitting about a seven or an eight. You're never fully happy. You're always wanting to go and go and push on and, and go and do better and you know that you're a couple of suspensions or you know injuries away from things changing sometimes so you've just got to keep looking to improve keep looking to hammer home those messages and um, you know at a time in January you should maybe be looking to add to the squad but they can't do that at the moment yeah, and of course the, the the big news in the last couple of weeks was, as you said there, Darren, Jack Hamilton has has gone back to Livingston. It's something that I think when he was scoring the way he was scoring, it's always in the back of your mind, or oh, Livingston are possibly going to bring him back. W- were you expecting it to, to happen, or did it kind of just come a, a bit out of the blue for you? Uh, no, I'd spoken to the manager about three weeks ago um, and he was saying he was trying to bring someone else in um, and he was kind of he says look I can't can he say yes I can't say no uh, right now regarding Big Jack which then kind of made me think oh no so we've obviously been looking to see if we get other players um, at the same time Jack's come in he's been tremendous um, great attitude wants to do well works hard got on well with the boys and again his goal scoring has been great I think it was something like nine goals in 13 games but at the same time, Jack, he comes here, we give him the opportunity, we give him the platform to go and play, and he goes and plays, and at the end of the day, it's kind of win-win, he goes and performs brilliantly for us, but at the same time, he goes back, and then he's back into the first team, um, and again, it's, it's, it's good for us to kind of see that, bringing in players and helping them, uh, and he goes back and he scores in his first Premier game, um, it, it started with him since he's been back, but no, it's been great, and it's it's been kind of the same for, for quite a, a few of the strikers we've had as well. We were talking about this the other night there. Um, we've got the big boy, Ross Stewart, for the, for the juniors at, at Albion Rovers, and he comes in, does brilliant, and he gets a move to St Man. Um, the same with Big Anton. We had him for a couple of years, came for Harriet Watt University, gets a move to full-time to Falkirk, and now the same with Jack. So 
Um, we seem to be doing something right in that respect it would just be good to kind of keep hold of one or two of them for a, for a bit longer yeah you know, I mean they're, they're doing what you want them to do and it's like yeah. any loan signing worth the salt that's what they need to go and do they need to go to a club show that they deserve to be at the higher level for going back years we've had so many loan signings that haven't seemed to do that but we've been really good with a few of them and like Jack was one of them we were kind of chatting on our chat last weekend following kind of the Livy game. So, saw he was on the bench and like, oh, he might get a run out. And then he comes on, gets an assist, gets a goal. I don't know if you were thinking like us of, ah, oh, crap. We're not getting him back now. He's actually doing well. <laughs> kind of tempered with wanting him, obviously, to do well. Yeah, that was the same. It was kind of delighted us. We text to say well done and congratulations. And obviously he goes and he had player of the month as well. So we knew that as well. So, But he deserves it and he, he's done great. And it's, it's good to see him go back and do that. But yeah, it'd be good for us to kind of, to kind of have that. And there is always that wee bit that uh, a lot of people are asking, oh, why do you not just keep him to the end of the season? But the loans kind of work both ways. Sometimes it'll work out from you. So you know from in January time, that if it's going well, then they'll either keep them or they maybe want to recall them. If it's not doing so great, then you've got the opportunity that you can kind of let the guy go back. So in that kind of maybe, for instance, that happened last year, maybe the boy Daniel Church, uh, it wasn't kind of quite happening for him and obviously went back to Celtic. So, But it's just one of these things. Uh, you, you want to make sure you're getting the right types in. They're kind of ready for that step up. And I know Jack had already had a bit of experience. He'd started against Rangers. He'd come on against Aberdeen this season. And he was someone that we'd looked at the year before as well. But then he kind of opted to go to, I think it was Queen of the South. I think they ended up going to Queen of the South or something on one. So sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. I mean, it's, it's obviously tough because they are playing just now as well. And I know they've got all these games coming up and they kind of, they did leave it open as a possibility for him coming back. If we're not playing and maybe for a bit, that's going to make that decision easier. I, I noticed today that, Dunf I think it was Dunfermline have signed someone from Airdrie, but then they've loaned him back for the for the rest of the season. Do you, do you see this maybe being how Scottish football is going to go now? Some of the teams are just going to, Try and sign guys early, and but then just keep them where they are. You maybe get a bit of that. Um, it's worked before for for other teams. Um, I think famously the, Simon Murray went to to Dundee United, didn't he? He was a good example of that. He went for fifty grand in the January, but stayed to our broth. Um, and then you can ask him who won the league that year if you want as well. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he went and he went and done that. Um, you know, it's, it's it's it works for some, it doesn't work for others. Um, I think the boy Blair Lines at at Thistle will kick on, but he had that six months of getting used to um, full time football, and it's just not worked for him quite yet either. So it worked for some, it won't you know won't work for others. Sometimes you're better just going straight in and jumping straight in and and not worrying about it as well. Um, I think the other bit you'll find is that a lot of clubs are, are maybe starting to strike up these partnerships where, mm. you know, they're looking at three and four boys for the same team on loan and stuff. Um, I don't know quite how that that would work and, and how that would would fit. It's um, almost like whether a you're forced team. to play them. Yeah, when you start yeah start doing that, which obviously opens up a, a whole thing. I mean, is your gut feeling? Jack's not going to be back and you're going to have to get a, a replacement in. Yeah. For me, as yeah, I'm working to, well, we're working towards 
other players there's one or two that we thought we may have an opportunity of but with that break they may go to championship teams it's just one of those things we just kind of need to kind of take it in the chin we can loan players out until February anyway so if Livingston did manage to sign other strikers or for whatever reason other boys could become available then we can still loan players up until February at the end of February sorry is there any chance that that window might get extended, considering obviously the the fire break it might make things a wee bit easier? Possibly, depending when we start back. I mean, I think if it was we were allowed to start back on February, they may they may extend it for us for the League One and League Two to be able to sign players until the end of February and loans. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not as important as it would be at the start of the season, anyway. Really, yeah. um, you know, if you start back the first of February, you can still loan players to the end of February, and you've got you've got more than enough time. Yeah. Well, I could say something that you guys can't either. Um, but the heads of Scottish football are well, they're useless at the best of times. So, probably the less said about that, the better. But look, let's talk a wee bit about Jack again. And and obviously, the reaction from these five fans was was a pretty, I think, a shocked one, and probably maybe a wee bit OTT in reflection. Um, I, I got a message for Tony telling me that we all had to calm down a bit. Um, but can you understand maybe where fans are just that wee bit concerned? as to where our regular goals are going to come from when Jack's been our focal point. Now, I know that you're going to flip that and say, well, we still scored five past Trenent. I totally get that. But obviously, Trenent aren't at the same level as what we're at. But could you maybe understand in some level why we might be a wee bit concerned? Yeah, of course, when you lose, obviously. But at the same time, there's, there's still been loads of chances created. It just so happens that Jack's the one that's in there. Now, if we have somebody else, whether it's Waldo, whether it's Kev or whoever it may be in the, in the areas, then you expect it to still do it. I still create chances. Um, it's just a case of taking them. Um, again, since we changed the formation, we've created loads of challenge. I think we've probably created on average maybe 14, 15 chances in a game. Um, so that's pretty decent going. Um, I know Jack's kind of been playing in the majority of those games, but at the same time, um, he's been the one that's kind of on the end of these, finishing them off. Um, he's probably played part and build up in some of them. But, probably say the rest of the boys have kind of set it up should we say if you, if you look at it that way so it's just having somebody being there don't get me wrong he's, he's, a, he's a great big player and his strength and that there's a couple of goals at the the one over the top and stuff and he just muscled the guy out of the way so st- things like that you maybe find it hard to re- replicate that but we've got players in the squad that can, can go and give it, a, give it a go but at the same time we're more than happy with, with the squad we've got yeah we've got Thomas goes out, Thomas Collins wants game time. He hadn't started a, a, a competitive game since March. So he was wanting to go for game time. Again, we weren't going to, at the time we were comfortable, we didn't know anything about the Jack situation. We thought I was going to be okay at that point. And then when that was agreed, and then a day and a half later, we get told that. So we kind of lost day two. Uh, Bailey's going out to get game time as well and get training week in, week out. So that was, again, these decisions that were all kind of made. Um, but at the same time, we've still got a window there. We've still got an opportunity, hopefully, to bring in a, a couple of players to make out for the ones that have left. Um, and, and again, we'll kind of see where we go. But no, we're, we're comfortable enough where we are. We've also got the, the 20s, although a lot of them are out uh, on, well, they were. <laughs> I could say they were out on loan and they were out training and, and playing with the juniors. But now they're almost having to come back because their games have been cut short as well. So, 
new signings then that you, you've you've said a wee bit about it there. Do we have anybody lined up? You don't obviously. I'm not explaining any of us names, but um, how many sort of players are you looking to bring in? Um, it, it really just depends on what's available. Um, we'd like to I mean, with the three guys kind of going back at one, hopefully two to kind of to kind of make up for that. Um, we did think we were possibly going to get one. That looks like it's an O now, but. Um, I think, to be honest, everything's just kind of up in the air now. If we could get two, then great. That goes and boosts the, the squad that we've got now. But again, we're not going to just get guys for the sake of it. Um, we want guys that are going to we feel that are uh, better than what we've got or, or are going to improve the squad anyway. Whether they can play one or two positions or whether they play a certain position, then um, again, it's just going to have to wait and see. Um, but the time we're back, then guys who kind of full-time teams may have been released that you kind of get that at the end of the transfer window. Boys may be paid up and then they'll go away and get another team. Um, whether that would happen or not, I don't know, just purely on the basis of you don't know if you'll be back playing again. Yeah. So, a striker aside, that's the one that we obviously think that we're, we're needing to bring in, having lost Jack and, and Thomas. Is it fair to say that the left-back position is one that we could be looking at strengthening? Because if something happens to Pat, from a fan's perspective, there's not really anybody to come in and there's nobody really to challenge him. Whereas if you look at all our bench regularly, there's, there's boys that could challenge for every position, but that seems to be one which is left. And you mentioned Daniel Church was in last year and we brought him in to sort of try and push Pat and then never. Do you think that that's one that we're still looking to improve? I think, fair point of view, you've got guys, Dungey can go play there, Craigie Watson could possibly play there, Higgy could move move over and play there. Uh, Maybe even Danny Denham could drop back in there as well. But So it's a position that there is a couple of players that, worst case scenario, we, we could put them in if Pat was to get injured or for, for a long time or anything like that. But again, if, if there is players out there that we, we feel that are going to do that, then then yeah, by all means, it's it's not just the, it's probably every position. If we if we've got a player there who's really good, he's within our budget, and he's we think he's better than kind of what we've got, then it's just a, we have to go to the chairman and the board and say, look, we might have an opportunity with this player. Um, Blah blah blah, and then it's it's down, kind of down to them and down to the kind of money side of things. It's we, we've we've kind of done that from the start since we've come in, so we'll let them know that there's maybe certain players available, and then it's kind of down to them in regards to if we're able to to get them in the door. Um, if it's going to improve and better the squad, then then of course you're wanting that competition. Um, uh, from being a player, it's it's not when you when you see another midfielder coming in, and you see another whatever that may be coming in, you're like, oh no, I need my finger out here. Is that for me? Is that for the guy next to me? So, um, but no, it's the, the players that we've usually brought in can usually play one or two positions. So, um, again, even we were kind of looking at things for next season as well in regards to players. Um, just sitting down, three or four names that you're thinking, right? They they could possibly do this, could do that. And again, everything's kind of up there again just because of everything that's happened. I mean, how how difficult is it for you guys just now to plan anything? Because you just don't know. Do you have to really have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C just to see how things play out right now? Uh, I think we've kind of learned for the start of the season, though, like, you know, what to do after a kind of lengthy break or a break in the middle of the season and, and things like that. So, we're a bit you know, more relaxed in terms of how we go in. If it's the same group of players, we know exactly, you know, what gets the best out of that group of players there, and um, what style would get the best out of them. 
what we're asking them to do in, in a game. As I say, that that maybe slightly changed when when Jack became that that focal point up front. So you just need to relax and enjoy the well, enjoy the time off, spend a bit of time reviewing and and that kind of thing. There's no you can't control it, so it's, there's no point in worrying about it. Yeah, I I, I guess. I don't want to dwell too much on, on individual players, but I, I kind of have to ask, I guess, about Danny Swanson because he's obviously had that groin issue that's kept him out from, from being a starter. There, there were perhaps from our side a few concerns or worries just because he has had injuries at St. John's in the last couple of years. It does feel right now that we might not see the Danny Swanson we were all hoping to, to see maybe this season. I mean, the stop-start nature's maybe not re- really helped him. How far away do you feel he is from being at full match sharpness and, and being the starter and, and being the guy that you brought him in to be? Like, obviously, you've touched on it there. He's, it's obviously been stop-start for him. Uh, when he first came in, the Stuart game, pre-season, he was looking good. Um and then obviously they, they, they've got the issue. So again, it's not, it's probably not started. And uh, I had the same kind of conversation with him as well. He was, he's obviously sort of short of game time. Um, him and kind of Dunsey for a wee while. Dunsey was kind of similar, to be honest, because Dunsey never, um, he was kind of feeling his, he had a wee injury that he kind of tried to kind of play through. And again, you could see it was affecting him. So once we kind of spoke to Dunsey and he kind of was honest enough, it was, it was troubling him. So <laughs> we had the kind of two of them that are, I think because they see how competitive the squad is, they both want to be playing, they both want to be to be training week in, week out, um, and, and it couldn't happen. Dunsey's obviously had a wee three, four weeks there where he had to sort of let it settle. Um, then we were looking to get him back on, and we couldn't really get them back on just because of the nature of the game 2 1, 2 0, 1 0, just kind of um, dodgy parts in the game where you're, you're not what can upset anything and change anything. At the same time, it was similar for Danny. Danny was kind of upset he couldn't get on as well. But at the same time, the guys have come in and did very well. What he came back in, um, he played a, a bounce game maybe three, three and a half weeks ago. Um, he was outstanding for start to finish, scored, set up chances, got back to box to box, was amazing. Um, and he's never he's not looked back since. He's been brilliant, probably man of the match in the two games prior to Saturday. Um and again, obviously, from our point of view, we want Danny to be kind of flying. We want him to be creating, to be setting up set pieces and stuff like that, creating chances. Um, can we put a wee time scale on it now? Probably not. Now that he's kind of step back, this may help him. And the fact that he's got another two or three weeks of rest and recovery so that he can go and do his wee bit. And then hopefully by the time we do come back, hopefully in three weeks' time, that he is kind of, flying and ready to go it gives them that kind of two weeks of again you spoke about uh, a mini pre-season in, in a way so the boys will have stuff to do uh, it's kind of up to them to do it and then again if they want to go do more over and above that then you'll be doing that me personally if I'm not in the team then I'll be doing everything I would be doing everything and myself possibly can fitness wise to make sure I'm the fittest guy there when I go back to make sure I'm, I'm firing all cylinders, my touch is good and, and, and things like that. But it comes down to a, a personal choice. If you if you want to go and do that and you want to stand out, fitness is everything. So if you can be as fit as possible and then added to that, if you've got better technical ability, better skills than everyone else, then, then you should be there or thereabouts. Actually, talking about fitness then, we were talking about this on our, our show last weekend I mean it was very evident against Trenent and maybe to be expected against Trenent it's like our fitness just showed they 
looked dead after 30 minutes. They kind of had run themselves into the ground in a lot of ways. But just across the season, our fitness this year has looked excellent. We've seen from we've seen all the teams now pretty much that we haven't played against Clyde, but it feels that our fitness is right up there at the top of those in the division. Yeah, I think so. We spoke about that last season as well. Even the, when you go to the, the Falkirk game, we're the team that's pushing to try and get the third goal at the end. The Partick Thistle game, again, up until it went 2-0, I mean, that, that full second half, we felt we were a better team against Partick Thistle away from home. Um, and that was, again, second game in a week. And then, although we were playing there, we had the chances. We got a, a sloppy second goal. And then, obviously, again, we're still pushing, pushing. The game, Falkirk away as well. Um, second half. For it was a wee sort of last 10, 15 minutes. We've hit the bar. We've hit the, the post. It's got a couple cleared off the line. Um, we, we know our fitness levels are there. It's just that sort of consistency and the quality and decision-making in the, in the final third at times. It's maybe let us down. You happy with what you've seen, Tony, fitness wise from the guys? They all kind of look after themselves and you know, we've got obviously you guys have, have been great and we thank you for helping out getting the GPS vests and stuff like that. So we'll have them for when we return. But you know, the only kind of measurement we've had on fitness is a, a kind of timed runs that we've been working off for, for a good few years. And we know if we do their runs, you know, every second Tuesday or something, the boys are hitting that then they're fit enough. But and, and you know, in the three hours a week that we've got them, we're not going to get them fit. So, mm. you know, it's it's all credit to them what they're doing away from the club and living a life properly and living a life like they are athletes, not just you know maybe the old the old style part time footballer that he had that you know wouldn't do anything and then would turn up to training and just want a game and then want to get home. So, um, they're a good bunch that way. Um, just touching on what you're saying about about Danny Swanson as well that you know um, I think you've got to also look at how the players that have been playing in their positions specifically off the wide areas have been doing as well and Danny Denham's came in and been great um, offensively and defensively um, and he's probably been unlucky that he's no maybe sitting on five or six goals just now um, he could have had a few more Kev Smith's been like a new player um, a completely new player for us this year. Um, he's playing there. Ryan's had to play off the side as well. We all know how much Lee loves Ryan. Um, so I think that just you know shows the standard that we've got in there. And if, if Danny Swanson's pushing them for a place, it's only going to make make those players better as well. So if we if we look on the positive that the season's going to continue, we're going to get the full twenty seven games in. Whenever it might end up finishing, but how do you see the rest of the campaign playing out from what you've seen so far? And who's surprised you, either in a good or a, a bad way? Like, who's maybe outperformed how you how you thought the season was going to go? Or who's maybe been underperforming? And just how, how do you see the the last two-thirds of the, this playing out still tight as hell? Yeah, I think it's going to be like the whole season. We, we, we thought this, this is a... Fifth, sixth, sixth season now in, in League One, and it's by far and away that the hardest league that there's been in regards to the quality and the players in the league. I mean, you've got Partick full time, Falkirk full time, Airdrie all but full time. I think Cove, again, Cove big budget, but I think I don't know if they've got a lot of players that are doing extra as well uh, at times. 
um, and throws. So it's <laughs> there's no there's no easy games. Even we played Peterhead away again. We get out, they get out to ten men and, and they battle and they hold on and they, we throw everything and the kitchen sink at them. But again, we kind of break them down. And if you're not on your on your game, then anybody can beat anybody. And I think it's been shown. And teams at the bottom will beat teams at the top. Again, we were whatever we were at the time, second, third, bottom, or whatever, and we managed to beat Falkirk. And I think there's just uh, there's a belief probably within everyone. There's a lot of players that I would describe as are good enough to be getting up to the championship, and maybe one or two that could possibly still play in the bottom of the Premier League. And for whatever reason, there just seems to be this kind of trickling down effect. Um, I think personally, there's again speaking to boys, there's a lot of it's down to the kind of wages as well. They feel that. The wages now maybe full time in a in a first a championship team, you can probably get a hundred pound less if you're if you're part time and go and get yourself a job. So you're nearly doubling your kind of wages by going part time and then getting a job because at, at one point you know you're going to have to get a job at, at some point in time. So there's a lot of guys that, that I've kind of spoken to and just talking through WhatsApp groups and boys in the game that they just feel there's. <laughs> There's kind of not no any point in being full time just for the sake of saying you're a full time player. You're maybe only getting four hundred pounds or five hundred pounds, and then in a few years' time you're looking for a job. You're thinking, well, if I'm a top end part time player, I could be getting maybe three fifty or whatever it may be, four hundred pounds. I'm hearing that sometimes, um, and the top of that, you know, get yourself a job as well. So uh, I think that kind of trickle down effect, and guys are thinking, well, do you know what? Why not? And they could be earning a right good wage. Any hints uh, surprise you this season, Tony? I mean, for me, I didn't think Montrose were maybe going to be as strong as they were. Whether they can keep that going across the whole season, I, I guess we have to still see. But uh, for me, they've been the surprise package. They've got a, a but you know, they've got a steady way of playing, haven't they? Mm. Um, you know, they've just got a formula that kind of works for them, um, and then. You know they, they were in a position where they could go and add um, Cochrane and Mockery and Ballantyne that, that that then gives them gives them legs as well in the middle of the park. So they are always going to be well organised. That's you know that's what they do. They know they know how they play. Um, I just as Darren says, it's anybody can be anybody. Um, it's how you prepare for the game, how you deal with the game, and and, and impose yourselves in the game as well. Just on the Scottish Cup, we obviously got past Trinent in the last round. A uh, little bit, two minutes in of a scare, but I think most folk felt it was going to be a comfortable win and it was in the end. Next round, it's Morton or Dunfermline. You've got to fancy either of those at home the way that the home form's been just now. Yeah, um, again, being at home, okay, we're confident against against kind of anyone. We kind of showed that against Hearts. Hearts kind of had the majority of their first team out against us, and again, we felt we should have beat them. So, uh, but we certainly won't be getting the game scared. We'll be as well prepared as we were against Trinidad. Um And again, we'll look to take the game to them. We'll have a game plan, and we'll show the boys that they're strange to weaknesses. And again, if we can go and perform. Um, the way we have these last five, six games, and there's, there's no reason why we can't cause another wee upset. So, Dan, you've had a, a long career in the game. You've played a lot of Scottish Cup ties, both as, as a player and a, and a manager. What does the Scottish Cup mean to you? And like, what are your kind of standout memories from the competition? 
I think it's it's like a young boy growing up. It was always in the Scots sport or sports scene, whatever it was on, and it was like, oh, I love to play in the Scottish Cup final. And then as things progressed, um, you found out you're you're okay at football, and then you get the opportunity, and, and again, I managed to get to or managed to play in, in two Scottish Cup finals. So it's no, it's, it's some feeling. It's, it's it's unbelievable. You're coming up to the well, when there was crowds allowed, you're coming up and. It's just kind of the streets aligned, whether it was, it was always, we played with Elferman, it was always Celtic we managed to get, whether it was the League Cup or the Scottish Cup final, it was always Celtic. So you'd have a Celtic fan one side, you'd have a Elferman fan the other. It was amazing just kind of turning up on the day, um, everyone. And again, you went into both those games kind of feeling you'd an opportunity and a chance to win it. Um, and then again, the, the first one, we go 1-0 up. And then just before Celtic got the got their first goal equaliser in the second half it was a, a corner came in and it was between Big Brewster and between Richie Byrne and Bobo Baldy punched the ball got cleared out the edge of the box Tony probably missed it um, or had the green tinted spectacles on but he punches out the edge of the box they got the park and the score and another day possibly VAR or whatever you're yeah. talking red card penalty kick 2-0 and there's 30 minutes to go yeah, after that we kind of got beat 3-1 disappointing and then the other cup final that Tony can remember um, I don't know if he remembered because of my performance, but uh, we got obviously beat one now. Uh, Doombe scored a toe poke with five minutes to go, and then at the end I got kind of man of the match. But again, it's one of those ones. It's great to look back on and to, to kind of have that to, to, to kind of look at. But at the same time, we'd have swapped it for a for a winners medal. But uh, but no, it's the actual day, the build up, everything from it. It's it's great. The cameras coming into the into the ground and stuff and just just everything a bit of camaraderie the, the spirit and the camp's kind of lifted um, and it's good that kind of end of season kind of showpiece game for me the Scottish Cup's always been special and obviously these five's got a, a proud history in it it's always been we talked about this all, on our show it, it's the cup games that have always been the games that kind of stick in my memory the most uh, as a boy watching that old Bayview and then I, I, I miss it but the Scottish Cup's always kind of... It's never been held in as high esteem as, say, the FA Cup because you're always talking about the magic of the FA Cup and you can have a pub team that starts in August and if they do well, they could get through to, to take a league team on or, or, or whatever in the first yeah. round. We're starting to see that now, though, in Scotland. Obviously, East Fife Trenent in the last round, something you would never have thought about even probably two years ago. How, how do you feel about opening the the game up like that, the Scottish Cup up like that, do you think it's been much needed? Just opening the game up in general has been much needed. Um, I remember the first year we were at Albion Rovers and I think the Lone League had maybe just started and you had likes of Cumbernauld Colts and East Kilbride and, and teams like that in it. And, you know, we actually went to the board and said, listen, here's what's going to happen if you don't, you know, build your club, sustain your club, put a model in place like, like they did in it. It was something that, that we ended up doing there. We created so many youth teams and, you know, teams under it. And so they, they never ever followed it up or backed it fully, though. Um, and I think you can see them struggling. Whereas East Fife have got a set up in place that rivals, if not betters all of that anyway, um, just now. So, you know, East Fife are well-placed to, to deal with it. But you can just see how, I mean, I had a... A conversation with a, a manager last week, and he's saying, "Oh, you know, maybe it'd been better if they just didn't have relegation this year." Um, <laughs> and so that that's how some teams are looking at it. Mm. Um, you know, they they're afraid of this this competition, but 
like I touched on with, with Danny Swanson and, and the boys there. Um, you know, competition just makes everybody better, surely, as long as you're not not scared of it. So it should improve should improve Scottish football. Um, definitely. You welcome it, Darren. Like if you were a player, would you want to go and play at say a Trenent or a Bonnie Rig Rose or one of the far flung Highland games? As long as we win, I'd want to go there. <laughs> but no, I think it's great to be even as a even a young kid. I always remember as a young kid, although it was at boys' club level and stuff, and you're you're going away, and it was because you had your, your kind of cups, whatever it was, your kind of local cups, whether it was Glasgow, Lanarkshire, whatever it may be. But then I always remember the Scottish Cup. Oh, you're going up to Aberdeen this weekend, or you're going through to Edinburgh, or, or something like that. And it was always it was always a big deal, and it was always you're going playing the best. Of, because you knew, you played the guys in your own leagues, you knew them anyway, you probably knew them from school football, you knew them from boys club football, now you're playing these guys who are for Aberdeen that you never get to play against, like, oh, test yourself against these other guys, are they any good? And then the ones through in Edinburgh, and then it, as you're getting on to the last stages, our, our boys club level was, it was at Mill United, and then it was your kind of Hutchie Vales were through in Edinburgh, Aberdeen, I think you had like Dice and, and, and teams like this, so it was... It was a big deal, you know, all the kind of better teams from all these areas were kind of playing against each other. So uh, it was great. It's always, always kind of been pretty magical for me, right? One of the, the games as well for us at Albion Rovers, when we got the, we managed to get the Celtic game. And um, and again, that was, I could possibly say we saved the club. Um, the, I remember the game being called off on the Saturday and obviously financially things weren't great. Queen of the South, it rained off and we thought, oh, here we go, this could have been a, a decent wee crowd, it's a Saturday game, called off, draws made on the Sunday, winners get Celtic, uh, at the time, Queen of the South had a manager, and um, so we're going on the Tuesday night, I think Ryan Walsh was playing, I think Dunlop was playing, I think uh, Ross uh, Davidson was playing in it as well, and we were 1-0 up, and then one each, and there's about 10 minutes to go, and Ryan Walsh gets sent off, or down to 10 men, so again, we're thinking, oh, come on, let's just get through this, try and get like a replay. And then it got through last 40 seconds to go. So I'm, I'm shouting at the linesman, I'm like, come on, linesman, let's, let's time, time up, come on. He goes, there's 40 seconds to go, Dan, take the bike kick, and that was it. So he took the bike kick, and then big Ross Stewart wins a header. He flicks it on to our first sub, Paul, I think it was Paul, no, it was uh, Ross Gilmer. Ross, Ross Gilmer. He drives Gilmer through. Higgy actually tackled him, by the way, it was Higgy tackled him. <laughs> Higgy tackled him, it smashed Ross Gilmore on the chest, and then ran into Paul Willis. Paul Willis, the second sub, he's through at the angle, he smashes the shot, goalkeeper saves it, and then the third sub, young Calum Ferguson, goes in and taps it in the net, and the whole place erupted, 92nd minute or something like that. He's The players are on the stand, the fans are on the pitch, we're on the pitch, everybody's going mental, takes centre, full-time whistle, and then that, that game probably made the club about 180 grand and, and probably got them over the line to the end of the season. Again, going playing Celtic at Airdrie Stadium, massive day, great for the players, great for the fans, great for the club, um, and again, great for us to kind of test ourselves against Celtic. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can we can get a, a run this this year as well. Like, last thing for me, and then I'll just hand it on to Lee, just still in the Scottish Cup, I always want us to get small teams because I want us to win and go as far as possible. It's different now, I guess, because you're not getting the fans in. But like when the draw's done after the Trinent game, did you want a big game like a Celtic, a Rangers, a Aberdeen? Did you want a, a non-league team so you can just progress as far as you can? 
For me, it's always even as a player, it's always been <laughs> if you're going to get knocked out, you're going to be wanting to play like a, a biggie, whether it's a Rangers or a Celtic on Sky TV or something like that. But deep down, you're like, All right, let's try and get a, a winnable game, should we say? But <laughs> a more winnable game so that you get further on the competition and then you've maybe still got the opportunity of a Rangers and a Celtic. Go as far as you can and then hopefully get them later on. Slightly different this year as well, I think, though, financially. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, you, you've always got that in the back of your mind as well that, you know, the, the club deserves something that way as well. Yeah. Because, I, I, like, last week, with so many games being off in a normal season, Bayview would have been packed when neutrals just coming to see a potential yeah. cup shock. Even the Falkirk game with all the other games off, that would have been a full house that day. So, I mean, yeah. the club's lost out stuff like that. But I'll hand over to Lee. Oh, sorry. I think this, I think with the stream, sorry, I think with the stream, then the, the club are still doing okay that way. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a lot of fans that are buying into that. So, uh, maybe certain games, for instance, maybe the Hearts game, you maybe got you can only get two thousand fans into the game the, the stadium, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the stream was, but you would think there was probably maybe more than a thousand Hearts fans anyway wanting to watch it live. So there is that way that the club maybe be making more on the stream depending on the numbers that are coming through and, and watching it. Yeah, fingers crossed. So, Mister McMahon, I've got a question for you. Right. It's two part question. One: Have you calmed down since the Partick game yet? <laughs> And two, having seen Danny Denham's fine system, I want to know what you're fine with. Hey, I can't do it. To be fair, I can't do it kind of right after it. Um, I wasn't a tirade, put it that way. Um, <laughs> I wasn't, uh, wasn't an excessive um, go at them, but uh, I think it was, I gave Kev 20 quid on the, the Tuesday night. Pay it early and then you get less. Fair enough. 20 quid though. I hope you gave him pelters for that, Danny. Let, me, let you down there. Ah, he did. He did. Uh, but he knows He knows now. He's, he's, he's two, game, two game so So, what we're going to round it off is it, it wouldn't be a, a Glory Days of Gold show without doing a ridiculous section. So, I'm going to pit you against each other in a Mr. versus Mr. style fashion instead of Mr. versus Mrs. So, Go to each year and you can decide between years who's going to be the winner of that section. So, who would be the first to moan? Me. Sorry. <laughs> who's the shouter? Um, probably both. It's, probably both. I, I probably mean, obviously, me more on a Saturday at the, the sidelines. But I think um, if, if any of us can see anything, then we'll kind of have a wee shout. But um, I'd probably see me more because I'm. At the, at the side of the pitch. Who's the calmest? Me. <laughs> so, both I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's better I think at that, scouting players? I think that Sorry, Lee. Who's better at scouting players? Don't say Tony. <laughs> you see him up to his wife's scout. <laughs> I just, I've just learnt to turn the computer on. <laughs> <laughs> He's no lying. <laughs> right so what cartoon character is the other one most like <laughs> that'd be easier for you you must watch him with Arlo <laughs> I don't know I went Tony to go first here to see how high or how low I go <laughs> I'm not sure but... 
to be fair, somebody once sent us a photo, and after that, I went and sat in the stand because we looked like the two boys that are chewing the fat. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been backed in the dugout since. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't sit in the dugout now after I heard what Lindsay was shouting at, uh, at Brett on Saturday. I think then I actually almost heard that from my house. I didn't sit next to him, I sat the other end. Must, must be a good reasoning for that. See, Tony, I had you more as like a Disney princess. I thought that's what Darren was going to pick. <laughs> I thought Falkhorn Leghorn, but... <laughs> Hopefully that's just because I'm loud. Oh, yeah. Right. Final one, then. What's the thing that the other one's most likely to end up in jail for? Be speeding for him. Tony? Going to that table. Uh, I don't know. Probably he's drunk, born in his football chat, just huckle him away. Enough, that's literally it. Stupid section over. Cheers as always for your time, gents. Much appreciated. Thanks very much, gents. No problem. Sure, it's been good. Thanks, guys. So, Dan and Tony, there were a good and enjoyable chat, and, and some Mr. and Mrs. or Mr. and Mr. back. <laughs> Um, what was your thoughts on the on the interview, Michael? I thought it was a great chat with the guys, and I mean, the, the, there is so much uncertainty just now, but they seem to have a really good handle on it, and they've got plans in place. They're they're not being phased by, by what's happening. I I think the the club, from a management point of view, and also from a board point of view, we're in really good hands just now, and we're being well run, and from that side of it. I mean, who knows? My my gut feeling is it's not going to be back at the end of this three weeks. I would be totally okay if we end up having an 18-game season, home and away. That might make a lot more sense for, for teams. You're still going to have some that argue not to have relegation, as as I think Tony had mentioned there, that he, one of the, the managers was like, yeah, I don't think it should be relegation this year. Obviously, a team down the bottom that, that's feeling that way. But from a playing point of view, I mean, it, it's optimistic. They're happy. My only real concern from it is I don't know that we do have the depth in the squad just now for everyone to step up and replace Jack Hamilton. I do feel we need to, to bring somebody in. Yeah. And I think it's going to be really difficult right now because of the uncertainty. Like I, th- I think that we've, we've said this, and I know that I've said this many times, but we need to have have faith in Dan and Tony. And you know, as fans, I think for the most part we do have that. Um, we trust their opinion, and and you only have to look at the players that they've brought in to fill those gaps and the way that they, they, they change the style of play to, to suit Jack. So, look, we need a we need a striker, maybe even two. That's evident. That, that's definitely evident, particularly with, with letting Thomas Collins go, the, the, the depth that we, we have in the, the attacking department isn't there. I still, I'm going to say it for the, the millionth time this season, I still feel we need a left-back. I, I mentioned it to, to Darren that 
I, I think that it's a position that we're severely lacking in, and there's there's yeah. there's not that competition for place with Pat. And don't get me wrong, I think Pat started the season pretty poorly. Yeah, um, it's shaky. It's like there's no other word for it. I'm sure he would describe it as that himself. He he had a torrid time in some of those games. Yeah, he's he's grown more into it, and I think that putting the extra man in midfield is sort of yes. taking some of that pressure out of him. But again, that's where we've got to take your hat off to the management team that they, they, they realise that there was an issue there, probably from listening to us on the show, um, and then put an extra man in, in the midfield, and, and that sort of lessened the burden on Pat. But I still think that we need somebody to to push him there, whether it's to come along and challenge him for a position or to take his position to bring Pat up to the level that we. we I personally feel if we're going to achieve the playoffs, that we need him to get to. Here's a question for you then. Say we were only able to bring in one loan signing, and it's a loan signing from a big team. So it's a, it's going to be a guy that's going to be an impact player for us. Would you want that to be a striker, or would you want that to be a left-back? Because obviously a striker can get the goals, left-back can stop us conceding the goals, meaning we might have to score less just thought of that just now but it's a it's a quandary it certainly is a quandary um i can't remember if it was Ke- kevin keegan that says it doesn't matter how many goals you concede as long as we score more yeah he was always like four threes fine by me it's like you just have to score one more than than the other yeah. it's it's great entertainment for the neutral it's great entertainment i guess for everyone but it's not good for your heart no, no, and uh, certainly my family history of heart disease. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, oh, that's a hard one. I think that I would have to say, I think we need a striker because yeah. you could defend all the goals that you want, but if we're not putting them in, then you know you're not going to win games. And I know that sounds is one of the things that footballers say all the time, or managers say all the time. You know, you, you know, we need to score goals to win games. Well, duh. But yeah, I think that look, Kevin Smith, like Tony said, there's been like a new player this season. Um, Ryan Wallace, great players, and you know my love affair with Ryan's well documented. But they're not out and out strikers. They're not a goal a game or a goal every second game player like Jack Hamilton or the Kenny Jukers that we've had in the past. I would like to see us go for Ennis Cameron, that's on loan at Air from Kilmarnock, but not getting much game time. Very similar mould to Jack, and I think that it would be a, a essentially a like for like. I think the way that that Jack played as well is going to make other players think, you know, I, I fancy going there because look what he's done. He's gone there, he's got noticed and now he's playing in the Prem. We create chances, Michael. Yeah. It, know, it's up to the player as well that comes on loan. Yeah. As we talked about there, we've had some bad loan signings over the years that just have not performed at what you're expecting from them. But Jack's come in and he's like, I'm going to show Livy what I can do. Gets his chance with Livy and then takes that. So a lot a lot of this is always on the players and whether they seize their moments. And I think with what he's done, it's going to make players want to come there. It's immediately going to put, if we get another striker in on loan, it puts the pressure on him because we're all going to be like, well, Jack Hamilton scored goals. Why are you not scoring goals? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of footballers and footballers want that. You know yeah, what I mean? It's pressure. just kind of... Yeah, I think that they like the pressure, but you know, if you're a footballer, you've got to back yourself. Oh yeah. So if you're not going to back yourself, then you're in the wrong game. You know what I mean? It's like not totally the same. But I've been in sales environments since I was seventeen. And if you're not confident enough in your own ability, 
then you're just going to be a shrinking violet and you're not going to get a sale because people are not going to buy from yeah. somebody that, that doesn't have confidence. And it's similar with football. If you don't buy into your own ability or don't buy into your own hype or don't buy into your confidence, then you're never going to cut it. I, I genuinely, that is one of my life philosophies that you've got to believe in yourself because if you don't, nobody else will. And it sometimes means I come across as a little bit arrogant to some people when they don't really know me very well, even sometimes when they do know me. But it's 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 confidence. And if you don't have that, it's like if, if we were doing interviews with people and we're not coming across as confident, they're going to be like, oh, this, they don't know what they're talking about or folk wouldn't listen to the show because it's like, well, they're just stumbling along and stuff. You've got to have that confidence in yourself that what you're doing is worthwhile. And that is in every aspect of life. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the ones that affirmed that I might actually know what I'm talking about in, in terms of football, and some of our listeners might disagree, was when we interviewed Tam McManus and we were talking about the national game. And I said, you know, this is the way that I would like to see the national game set up. And he's like, you're absolutely right. And that's somebody that's, somebody that's played to the highest level in Scottish football, played in the MLS, and he's telling me that I know what I'm talking about. So I was like, peachy, right? Okay, going forward, I might actually know what I'm talking about. But yeah, football is a game of opinions anyway. And yeah, you've, you've got to have that, that confidence, back yourself a little bit. And I know what I'm talking about. Well, hopefully we get a guy in like that. It's going to be interesting when we do restart, because let's just say, I was going to say worst case scenario, it's clearly not the worst case scenario, but not a good scenario is February's wiped out as well. So we're not restarting until maybe March. If the Prem's still gone by that point, they're a lot more into their season. And obviously the loan deal that Darren talked about there would get extended because there's no way that they, they wouldn't let you bring guys in. So there could be some clubs that's just going to be mid-table, nothing to play for, that's like to someone, one of the young guys, like, go and get some playing time because you're not going to do anything with us this year. So it yeah. might even open up more possibilities if we don't start until March, maybe even April. Or flip side of that, if you've got a team that's not performing very well, middle of the table, they're like, right, well, we'll give you the game time now because it's not going to make a difference to our season. So there's two sides to that coin. Yeah, that's true. It depends which way you want to look at it. But look... Time's going to be tell, uh, time will tell. Time's always a winner in every scenario. So we'll, we'll see what happens um, in terms of that. But time to bring to you one of the other sections. And we've revamped it. We're going to make a little bit of a change. Um, most of you were disgusted, let's be honest, with, with Michael's usual taste. Although, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, um, yeah, we've, we've had some pretty good feedback on the last two weeks with the Scottish rap. So do you want to talk about any of the feedback that you got? I think that we obviously had Ian from Leeds that was a fan of the previous one and even Doug liked this week's one, he said in our group chat. Yeah, so, well, Doug's more famous brother Yeah, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, to be honest, it doesn't take much to be more famous than Doug, does it? <laughs> like, we made it completely, totally obvious that we preferred Donald to Doug anyway. Oh, yeah. And if you do want to come on and take Doug's place, just get in touch. I actually friended him on Facebook. I don't normally reach out to people first, but I did with him because I think that um, Doug had mentioned that he might do some voiceover work for us, and I thought that it would be better to get him to do our adverts than, than anybody else. So if he's not told you this yet, Donald, consider that your, your notice that we're going to get in touch with you soon. Um, so Bringing it back, we've decided that we're going to change our Have You Heard section to an, an Artist of the Month. Now, I've taken ownership of this one, um, and I'm going to bring to you a band from Kilmarnock. Now, 
They are a band that are signed. They've been signed to Sony Music um, and they're in their own one now. Very similar to Biffy Clyro. Um, Michael had a little bit of Frightened Rabbit um, vibes from them. I, I think that they're probably somewhere between them both, Biffy Clyro and Frightened Rabbit, but they're called Father Son. When I told Doug that that's who I was going to pick, he was delighted because he was a big fan of them. And I sent them over to Michael and he was like, oh, I've actually heard them. They're really good. So I hope that you guys like them as much as I do. The first time that I heard Father Son, my, my cousin's band, Model Aeroplanes, actually supported them. Um, and I listened to a few of their tracks and I, I just thought they were excellent. And my wife's huge fans of them as well. So I'll get kudos from her from, from putting them on. So this song is called I Like Not Knowing. And let us know your thoughts. Here it is, Father Son with I Like Not Knowing.
So that was father son there with I like not knowing. Let us know your thoughts on usual as usual on the, the social media pages, um, and we'll be bringing to you some father son for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, really good band. That was from their 2018 album, The Sum of All Your Parts. And they've supported Biffy. They've supported Frightened Rabbit as well, actually, funnily enough. And yeah, I think it is a good description to say they're kind of in between that. Excellent Scottish band. Let us know your recommendations as well. They don't all have to be Scottish. I'd prefer it if we at least kind of kept Scottish bands for, for the first few artists of the month. It's something I've done on my show over here and I've gone, as I talked about before, I've gone for bands that I think everyone in the world knows and then it turns out that they don't. But I'd like to definitely showcase some Scottish artists and the closer to home, the better. So there we go. Now we're going to talk about um, something that I've finally got my finger out on this week and we're talking about the the centre-backs and this has been excellent this week. I've loved your interactions across all our social media platforms. It definitely brought up a whole wee debate. Um, and gen- like, I, I don't know about you, Michael, but I've loved seeing the mixture of the generations that have been brought up. Oh, um, it's, it's vast. And that's, yeah. that's the problem with us doing this. I mean, we, we kind of made it that it has to be a player that you've seen. Yeah. And I think that's going to help differentiate this to the all-time greats in the past. Yeah. And as long as we keep just reminding people it's players that folk have seen because there's going to be some players that probably get into the this team that they're like well how's he's not better than henry morris or cannonball fleming or stuff like that i think the other caveat is is that because our spectrum of listeners is quite vast Mm. that it's going to always cause a little bit of debate and that's why we've called it the glory days of gold all-time 11 in terms of you our listeners are, are selecting them it's not michael and i's and, you know, I'm not going to be putting a vote in and I don't think that, that Michael will either. Although well, I, did, I, I did this week because I... I chipped in. Yeah, I... No one... Hardly anyone was mentioning Jim McLaren. And it's like, obviously you have to be of an age to have seen Jim play. But I mean, even Davy Clark spoke so highly about Jim McLaren as well. I just had to get Jim mentioned. So before the show comes out next week, so not this Sunday's one, but the following... I'll be putting out two polls and I'm going to split them into two groups and you can pick one from one group and one from the other. Um, This is probably going to upset a lot of people, but the way that Twitter works is that you could only have four people in a poll. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to whittle down the people that got the least suggestions, people like Johnny Page, I think has only had one. Um, So I think that, you know, guys like Johnny Smart, Colin Methvin has had a lot of mentions. Um, Stuart Burgess yep. is another one that I've seen a couple of. Yeah, McLaren and Burgess were, were my two, with Beaton as a third, and I'd probably have Smarty as a fourth. Although, yep. Tweed's up there as well. So Yeah, to be honest, there's not been anywhere near as much mentions of Tweedy as I thought there would be. No. Considering, considering the amount of fan um, 11s that we've had and that I've mentioned them, there's been obviously a lot of people from a different generation that have seen better centre-backs, whereas from my perspective, the best two centre-backs that I've seen at Bayview are probably Tweedy and Jay, mm. maybe Chris Higgins getting into that conversation now as well. So Stephen Tweed, Johnny Smart, I think, has been mentioned by the majority of people. Um, we've yeah. also had John Ovenston was a pretty weird shout, um, a decent player, but not somebody that I'd have put in that bracket. Yeah. But one... 
one that has been mentioned that again I was very surprised hasn't had more shouts is Mikey Hall, a player that's totally gone out of my head for how amazing he was in that promotion winning season and just reliable. Um, yeah, it was good to see that was Henry Allen. So I'll give you a shout for that, Henry, because Mikey Hall was a player that um, that definitely went out of my head. It's yeah, one of those things, though. It's like players are going to go out of your head, and yeah. like, if they're if they're like you're going to have like recency bias that people are going to think of the the guys that won the championships uh, in the two seasons and players kind of in the last ten to fifteen years. Then you're going to have people like me that still hark back and Glenn Walker to like the glory days of Davy Clark and and stuff like that. Then there's going to be this maybe 90, 92 to maybe mid, well, maybe like a 10-year period from the 90s into the 2000s where a lot of those players are going to kind of be maybe forgotten about. But how many of them are better than the ones that are mentioned? Mm. And that's really... I mean, would they be forgotten about if they, if, if they had been like top-notch guys? Because we still exactly. talk about, obviously, Kenny Duker. Ewan Donaldson got mentions in the, the left-back. Yeah, true. But again, that was what, early 2000s, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So early 2000s, yeah, it would have been. So that's still maybe a wee bit more modern. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, you've got until the end of Sunday to, to add any more names to that list. And then I'm going to close it. And then at the start of the next week, um, I'll, I'll put the polls out. I actually break off on furlough for, for two weeks on Wednesday. So I'll have more time to, to do some stuff like this and hopefully be able to bring some, um, arrange some interviews between now and then. And I, of course, the other thing that we've mentioned in the mailbag is if you do want a specific person in, let us know who they are. But equally, if you could put us in touch with them, let me know. Yes. That's, you know, it's, it's all fair and well you screaming at me to, to get Archibald on. I would love Steve Archibald. I would love it, but I just I can't see it happening. Um, it's the same way with Robert Scott as well. I would yeah. love Scotty on. A lot of folks requested Scotty. From from what we're led to believe, Scotty's having issues, and he's not really going to be somebody that we that we can get to chat to on the show. And equally, some of the older guys, you know, David David Clark, um, who we had an excellent interview with, his daughter set up the Zoom call and stuff. If you were speaking to a player of a certain generation, they might not have the ability for technology that would allow it to happen. Obviously, once COVID's finished, um, I'd be, I'll be more than happy to drive and meet these guys and, and, and do it that way. I think one of the people that I was put in touch with was Dickie Gibb, but then I was led to believe that he um, isn't very good with technology. So it might not be the sort of thing that you'd be able to talk him through over the phone. So I'm going to leave these ones to, to when we could hopefully get out and see people a little bit more. But please do let us know who you'd like to hear us on. We've got the option fushing, 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 beating as well. Um, so I could hopefully bring one of them to you. Um, I would still love to interview guys that are playing for us just now, like Scott Agnew and Dunsmore. Um, I'm trying to get an interview arranged with Jack Hamilton as well um, to hopefully let him say his goodbyes in a similar vein of the, the conversation that we had with Anton Dowds. But yeah, get in touch with us and let us know your thoughts. Yeah, that would, would be yeah. excellent. And Henry Island had asked, what, what's our plans for the podcast during the lockdown? 
Well, right now, three-week lockdown, we're just going to continue as normal. We'll have our weekly shows. Most of them will be interviews, obviously, because we don't have games to talk about. Hopefully then we're, we're back with games to talk about. If this does go on for a couple of months, if the season ends up getting suspended, Lee and me will talk about it. We haven't had a chance really to talk about it yet. My gut is we'll try and do weekly if we can, but we don't want to exhaust all the people that we can talk to. And then we've got maybe a big spate in the summer where we've got nobody to talk to. So we might have to move to maybe fortnightly or something like that. But right now the plan, I haven't spoken to Lee about this, but plan is to keep going weekly for the foreseeable future at least. Yeah, I think that the amount of abuse that we would get for people not having their Sunday morning podcast to listen to um, would be astronomical. So we'll, we'll try and keep it going as, as long as we can. I love doing these and I know that Michael does too. So as long as there's stuff to talk about, we're happy to talk about it um, equally. If you've got any ideas to, to freshen up or what you'd like to see from us, or even if you would like to come on the show and, and, and talk to us about your these five memories, there's, there's loads of yeah. opportunities available too. And, and we're always pretty flexible with our approach to, to our show is going to be. You'll notice that some weeks with us having um, Doug and Gordon on for the entire show, other weeks we stick to just the two of us talking nonsense. So there is definitely opportunities there and, and we're open to suggestions. Yeah. We're also looking at potentially a quiz night. It's something I've been trying to do here for the last couple of weeks and just have not had the, the time to get right to doing it. And if it works the way that I've got in my mind, I want to kind of do something for the East 5 fans about that. Also, it doesn't have to be East 5 players. Like If you've got a link to a Scottish international, we'd love to, to talk to them. Yeah. Also... We might do some music ones, some football writers. The the writer Daniel Gray, who we've talked about in a previous show, I'm going to be chatting to him for both my shows uh, probably at the end of this month. I just want to finish reading his, his most recent book before I, I talk to him about that. So if there's any particular Scottish football writers that you'd like... I would to love to speak to Donald Walker. Yeah. I would, I think I'd, that'd be love, interesting. I'd love to have Donald Walker on the show. And I know that Donald listens. Um, I keep meaning to reply to his email... I'm sure I asked yeah, Michael I to reply well. to his email. Um, ask Michael to reply to that, and he, he hasn't. So take our apologies, Donald, but we would absolutely love to have you on the show. It's now that time of the show where we bring to you our wavelength section, Michael. Who have we got this week? Well, I'm continuing songs about fans travelling to matches. It's a band we have played before, I Ludicrous. There's a really good video on YouTube for, for this song. It's from the 1992 album, Idiot Savants. And it's just a song really showing the love that fans have for their football teams. They'll travel anywhere to watch them play in normal circumstances, any conditions as well. We've watched games in torrential downpours with no cover in the snow. This is called We Stand Around. in voluntary all ages all male all swearing all cold we sing and sway we punch the air 
We chant out names, we seek a way In pens we huddle, in corners too We shout out loud, we shout abuse We travel every Saturday We go wherever we play and pay Spending money we can't afford We are the fans, we go everywhere of two we punch the air we sing and sway and dance and swear we taunt the home fans humorously policemen eyes us with ill disguised contempt our best players all get sold their replacements old and slow the manager raids the Sunday leagues we have no youth team anymore the team defends most of the game we cheer every breakaway three in the box it goes to cross we hold our breath Every motorway, we 
we travel miles, we don't complain, we stand around in wind and rain. 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 I Ludicrous there from 1992 with We Stand Around. I mean, we do go in normal times, Lee, to watch football in all conditions. I used to plan my whole life around going to East Fife games. It's like I even cut my honeymoon short so I could get back for an East Fife home game. And it's like my wife knows that's what she's putting up with. My holidays here, because... We, we obviously in Vancouver play like Seattle and Portland all the time. So I, I've arranged holidays, tied in around those games, gone down to games in San Jose and LA, having holidays in Santa Barbara and down Monterey Coast. It's great. Family gets a holiday. They love that. I get to see some football games. It's just, yeah, I would do anything to go and watch my teams play. In fact, yeah, he, yeah. There's, a, there's something for our mailbag. What's the greatest lengths you've gone to to go and watch East Fife play? Or the Scottish national team, even? Or if you're a fan of another team, uh, another team. Like, what's the the greatest length that, that you've gone to? I'll, I will tell you this story, which is particularly sad. This is in the days before, like, mobile phones and internet. East Fife were playing Aloha, and it's the days before I could drive as well. So I missed my connection from Dunfermline to Alawa, so the only way I could get to the game in time for three o'clock was to get a taxi, and I got a taxi on my Todd from Dunfermline to Alawa, got there at five to three, it was £20 or something for the taxi, got to the stadium, match had been called off. <laughs> oh no, oh that is a kick in the teeth. And I hadn't even crossed my mind that the game was going to get called off for a waterlogged pitch. Oh, hopefully the team bus gets yellow home. So yeah, that's some of the lengths I've gone to in, in the past and shortening my honeymoon. What about you, Lee? Any games stand out that you've done anything weird so that you can attend? No, nah, not that. I could, in fact, no. There's one story I could tell you, um, and it, I, I think I've told it on the show before. But I used to work for NGT, the call centre. And it was the year that we were going to win the league under Dave Bakey. And we had to win at home. I can't remember who it was that we were playing, but we had to win. If we won at home, we won the league. So it was, say, we'd won on the Saturday before that. And I went to the director of the, of the, the department I worked in. And I was like, look, 
our, our call set was actually directly across from Bayview, right? So I went to the director and I was like, look, we've got the first chance to win a league title for the, the first time in, in years, years. And it was one Saturday on, one Saturday off. I was like, is there any chance that I could work until half two or quarter to three and then walk across to the ground? And she was like, no. And I was like, can I put in a holiday? And she was like, no. And I was like, right, okay. So I, I sort of left and I was not bragging, but I was a top salesperson at the time. And I threw my toys at the pram and, and didn't really make much effort. And then she comes back to me later on. She goes, oh, you've, you've not hit your usual figures today, Lee. And I was like, oh, I just, I'm just a bit gutted that, you know, after everything that I've done, blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> I get a chance to, to go to the game. And she goes, look, get me X amount of sales today and I'll let you finish at 2.30 and you can get across to the game on Saturday. I was like, okay, so naturally it was like bat out of hell, went out of the traps, got the sales, got the Saturday off and we drew. So the caveat of me doing that Saturday was it meant I had to work the following. Which was his sterling. Which was his sterling away. And I decided that week that I would phone in sick for the, the whole week. So it didn't look suspicious that I just <laughs> suspicious that I just phoned in sick for the Saturday and went and saw us at Easterlin. And was there not a picture of me in the newspaper with a player on my shoulder when we won the league? <laughs> Thankfully, the only person that seen that photo was my team leader, not the director. And I just came in and it was I think it was a copy of the East Fife Mail, and my face was circled in it. And he just put a smiley face next to it and he just wrote Mon the Fife. He was a massive Rangers fan, but he just wrote Mon the Fife. And I went in and he just winked at me and I was just like, right, just say nothing and kept my head down. So that that's the only story that I could I could liken it to. But I mean, all you had to say was, I felt so much better Saturday morning. Yeah, I know, but went, well, why didn't you come back in? Oh, <laughs> of course, because you were meant to be, yeah, you, you were meant to be working. <laughs> See, I missed the game because... I couldn't risk flying over and then we didn't win and then I'd yeah. have to fly back again. It was just, it was, that was one of my biggest ever disappointments that I wasn't there that day. Well, I was. <laughs> I will. Let's just end this now so I can cry. Yeah, so that's the end of our show this week. Michael, where can our listeners uh, find you online? On Twitter, give me a follow on AFTN Canada, also AFTN website, you want to get hold of me quicker aft in canada is the way to go and you can also send me an email aft in canada at hotmail.com i'm lee gillis you can find me on twitter at lee 1903 and of course across all of our normal social media plethora of accounts that we've got just search glory days of gold and i'm sure you'll find us and um, thanks as always to our sponsors the, the phoenix and glenothis and scott miller pt as well and yeah, um, until we, we speak to you next week, stay safe, keep socially distant, control the virus, you know, the, the usual spiel by now. But more importantly, as always, one the five. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>